0: What a glorious day to be together. I am just so blessed by all the pieces that God weaves together for us. Um, The songs that we sing, how they praise Him, and how they are central to what we believe in our faith, and the testimonies that all of these wonderful families have shared. Um, It's probably dangerous for me to share with them the verses I'm gonna be speaking on. but it's so good to hear what they have to say. It's a it's an affirmation to what I believe God's been speaking to me. Even the way Curtis prayed about mission, you're gonna see that that's central to what I'm sharing this morning. And of course, what Patrick and his family do and Josh and Emily in leading us in worship, it's been a great day. You've received, if you're a part of our church family, a letter from me or an email that's just giving clarification for how we're going to be going about our Sunday gatherings and even our small groups over the next two to three weeks. And we recognize that our state is opening back up this week, but we want to be mindful that we might should wait a few more weeks before we actually gather in person. This is not out of fear. This is actually out of a desire to respond well to the Lord, to be full of faith, but also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so I pray that you will continue to join with us as we gather in our small groups by Zoom or FaceTime or even text and phone calls, or maybe drive-bys and dropping off cookies or uh, giving virtual hugs or distant hugs. And also, Lord, would be with us as we gather on Sunday mornings, even by this live stream. So thank you for joining us this morning, and we'll continue to doing this a few more weeks and see what the Lord has for us as time goes on. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, and we're not done celebrating. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to get us to stay in the middle of Easter to stay right here in the middle of his resurrection power, not to move away so quickly from the story of his resurrection and all of its implications. I want us to understand and consider and ponder the weightiness of his atoning work on the cross and the glory of his game-changing resurrection from the tomb. In fact, we, we could decide to maybe focus on the resurrection every Sunday, and that wouldn't be too much. And by the way, that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. That's why we gather on Sunday, Resurrection Day. That's why Sunday is called the Lord's Day. So today, we're still gonna look at the resurrected Jesus and how he came through locked doors to meet his confused, scared, defeated disciples. Their their emotional and mental state, it sort of reminds me of a story that I've heard. Back in 1916, I, I wasn't alive then, but I've heard that it happened then. Georgia Tech played a football game against a tiny law school named Cumberland University. And at the time, Tech was a football powerhouse, and they absolutely pummeled Cumberland. The score was 222 zero. You can imagine the Cumberland players were exhausted, bruised, discouraged. They were afraid, no longer unified. They were defeated and the game wasn't even over. Their despair probably reached its pinnacle when the Cumberland quarterback fumbled a snap from center And as those Georgia Tech defensive backs and linebackers and linemen were all charging towards them, the quarterback yelled to his fullback, pick it up, pick it up. And the fullback yelled, you dropped it, you pick it up. I kind of feel like that guy sometimes. I think these disciples felt that way. They were exhausted, they were bruised, discouraged, afraid disjointed, defeated, and they didn't want to pick it up. It was a scene of confusion and fear and uncertainty. At least 10 of the disciples, there there may have been more, but we know Judas wasn't there. And apparently Thomas wasn't there either. These disciples were all huddled together in a room and possibly the same room where Jesus had washed their feet just a few nights earlier and had shared with them the new covenant meal. And maybe the same room where in just seven weeks, the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them and the whole room would shake and the whole world would be changed during this feast of Pentecost. But on this night, the doors of this room were bolted shut. They were frightened. They were perplexed at the death of Jesus, the the disappearance of his body. And now one of their own, Mary, is saying she's seen him alive. They're they're afraid of the Jews, and they're at loss as to how to explain all that's happened and what they will do as a result. We can read about it, John 20, the verses that the families have already shared. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Man, I love those words. Peace be with you. Just think what he could have said. It could have been corrective, scolding. It could have been expressing huge disappointment because they were a disappointment. This is the first time they've seen him since they all scattered on the night of his arrest, deserting him in one form or another, at least one of them denying him. And most of them didn't even help bury his lifeless body after he had died. Only John and the women remained to show their love, their loyalty, their courage. Jesus could have really let these guys have it. You know, like a parent giving their child a tongue lashing. You know what I'm talking about, don't you parents? I mean, I'm sure you never did this, but I know maybe I did. Like when your kids draw with permanent markers all over the walls and furniture. Or when they forget that their bikes were outside, they didn't bring them into the garage, and then it storms all night. Or when they don't do their chores for the umpteenth time. Or they forget to feed the dog. Or here's my personal favorite, when you're all sitting at dinner, And they announce to you they have a school project due the next day, but they haven't started. Those are definitely tongue-lashing moments. And, And just like a parent, Jesus could have lashed out at his followers. Jesus could have really let them have it. I mean, come on, guys. I poured into you three and a half years of my life, and this is how you repay me? I can't believe your short-sightedness, your disloyalty, your unfaithfulness, your cowardice. What's wrong with you? But that's, that's not what Jesus said. His first words to them were peace. Peace be with you. It harkens back to the Hebrew concept and word, shalom, as Bill and others have shared. Shalom is more than just the absence of conflict. It is one of the most significant themes in the Bible, and it points to and desires universal flourishing. It relates wholeness as things should be. It speaks to salvation and integrity and connectedness with God And with others, a state of completeness. And boy, did these guys need shalom right now. They they were terrified, wondering about every footstep they heard outside and if it might lead to their arrest. They were afraid, so they locked the door. And suddenly, in the middle of their turmoil, of their distress, fear, Jesus shows up right in the middle of it. He was the one the prophet Isaiah called the prince of shalom, whose shalom would have no end. And now in their most turbulent moment, he's speaking shalom to them, over them. And he will be speaking shalom through them. And did you notice that he just appears? Uh, He just shows up. Somehow Jesus transcends all physical barriers able to appear and disappear to be somewhere one moment and another place another moment. His glorified, resurrected body seems to have superpowers attached to it. And yet, we're going to see that in the days leading up to his ascension to the Father, that he still has capability of doing just the ordinary things like eating and drinking and bearing scars. Jesus is now in their midst, though no one had opened the door. No one had gotten up and unlocked it and let him in. He was still there. Hearts had to be racing. I, I imagine the adrenaline is flowing, gasp and goosebumps and hair standing up on the back of their neck. Jesus just showed up unhindered by locks, undeterred by fear. And that, and hear me Neil, hear me thou. That is the most wonderful news we could hear. That in the midst of our greatest fear, we cannot lock him out. He shows up and he says to us in the midst of our fear, Shalom, peace be with you. Look at what verse 20 says. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It's just like Jesus is saying, uh, just in case you have any doubt, here, let me show you. I'm gonna show you the wounds that I incurred on your behalf. Not that he was trying to show off or show and tell. It was like a a soldier showing his injuries for the, the brave service that he had given. Stephen Davies said, It is fascinating that in the mind of God, Christ's resurrected body would be perfectly whole, yet it was his decision for his son to retain five scars that forever remind us that he was the lamb sacrificed. He showed them his pierced side and his nail-scarred hands and feet as proof that he was the same Jesus who had died on the cross, but also as a reminder their redemption, and our redemption is paid in full. These are wounds for our salvation, for our healing, for our freedom. The word in verse 20, to show, literally means to put on display, that he would display his wounds, and he does it a lot. He displayed them to them on their occasion. And now, He's and then eight days later, he's going to do it again with Thomas, who wasn't there to resolve his doubts. And one day soon, he will put on display those scars for you and me, too. And we will recognize him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look back at verse 21 Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Man, these are three packed full verses. We, Jesus is saying so much here. First, he just has to say peace again, probably because they didn't hear it the first time. And then he, he breathes on him on them and, they, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them authority to forgive sins. We could spend all day long, we could spend all quarantine long talking about these things. But the thing that really stands out to me is what Curtis was praying earlier in his prayer. It's the mission that he gives to them. He said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's interesting to me is that I don't think you can encounter the resurrected Jesus without it resulting in mission. You can't see him and and just remain neutral as if that was a nice happening. When you see the resurrected Jesus, nothing else is the same. And your job has for always and forever been changed. Seeing Jesus results in a job, in a mission, That was the case for the early disciples, and it's true for us today. Think about what resulted for each of the disciples who've seen this resurrected Jesus. Mary, she sees him first, and he gives her the mission to go and tell the other disciples that he had risen. And now this scared, confused bunch has become part of the very mission of God that Jesus has sent them to do. And we also are going to see that as we look at the encounters of Jesus before he sends to the Father, each time he is sending them and he is sending us. From the the very beginning of creation, right there in the garden, when, when Adam and Eve caved to temptation and sinned against God, even then, God was on a mission to save us. Theologians call it the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And you see it throughout Scripture. You see it popping up, and it's a thread that's woven throughout all of Scripture. You especially see it in the Gospel of John, where we have been looking at these verses. We read about in John earlier on that God so loved the world that He devised a plan of salvation to bring rebellious humans back into fellowship with him. And then we see him sending Jesus to make a way, to show the way, to be the way, as the central figure of his divine mission to the world. And then we read the Son asking the Father to send the Spirit. There's so much sending, it's a part of the mission of God. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's amazing this Missio day that the triune God Father, Son, Holy Spirit is now bringing us into this divine plan and sending us to the world as his ambassadors of reconciliation. And you know this is one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5.20. It really articulates this so well where it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us and we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you see, mission proceeds from Father, to Son, to Spirit, to the church. It's all connected to the Missio Dei, all bringing salvation to the world. The mission of God is what they were invited into. He could have discounted them. He could have discarded them. He could have started all over, but he chose to use this broken, affected, failing group of believers, and he empowered them with his spirit and invited them into his mission. Listen, we may not feel adequate, to do what God calls us to do, we may not feel adequate to proclaim the excellencies of Him. We may not feel all that prepared or capable or well-spoken to do the things that require are required of us in fulfilling His mission. But here's the good news: the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit is the one who dwells with us. Jesus said, "He is the one who lives." in us the holy spirit is what makes us capable adequate well spoken enough prepared enough to actually be ambassadors of christ inviting people to be reconciled with god so let me ask you these questions as i close this morning what fear are you immersed in that tries to lock jesus out What fear are you engulfed in and the door is locked to your heart? What turmoil do you find yourself in that is absent of his peace, his flourishing, his wholeness, his shalom? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you heard his invitation to join him in his mission? The resurrected Jesus changes everything about our circumstances. He crushes our fears. He appears in places that we've locked him out. There is nothing that contains him, constrains him, keeps him from meeting us where we are in our brokenness. He speaks peace to our turmoil. He speaks flourishing to our lack. He speaks wholeness to our brokenness. He speaks shalom to our dread. He is still breathing upon us his Holy Spirit who dwells with us, who lives in us. And he gives us his mission of peace to be his ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. Our broken, messed up, far from perfect lives. It's through us that God makes his appeal so that we can implore all people, our neighbors, the people we work with, the people of our community, our city, our nation, the world, behalf of all people, be reconciled to God. I'm gonna ask my wife to come back and we're gonna pray for you again as been our, our tradition here in these moments. And ask that the Lord would bless you and keep you as you go into the remainder of your day and into this week.
1: Before I pray, I'm going to read a scripture, um, an excerpt out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this mission, this ministry, we do not lose heart. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord God said, let light shine out of darkness. And He made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Mm-hmm because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with him and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not give in to fear though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all Hmm. so we choose to fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen, the world of faith that is eternal. Father, we receive the gift of faith and your perfect love that cast out all fear. You aren't asking us to figure out how to believe. (laughs) You are giving us the ability to believe, to believe you utterly, in spite of everything that stands up against the knowledge of God, even in our own minds and thoughts, right. yeah. you have come with the dunamah, the dynamite power of yes. the Holy Spirit, yes. to take down even those strongholds, Lord. Yeah. The strongholds in our own minds that stand up against what you say is true about yes. you and about us and about our situations. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we receive your gift of faith, we receive the power. That you have purchased for us. Mm -hmm. By sending us the helper. The helper that teaches us how to pray. The helper that teaches us how to live. The helper that does what we cannot do for ourselves. That's right. And in receiving the gift of faith, Father, we receive your mission. Mm -hmm. We receive the purpose of the gift. Mm -hmm. Which is that we should share the faith that you have given us. That we should use the Father's words, that we should represent you in the earth, not through our own pitiful efforts, Mm. but in your power that can't be imagined to be anything other than yours. It isn't about us being Mm. lifted up. It's about you being lifted up. Yes. And the first place you are lifted up, Lord, is in our own lives as you become king in our hearts, yes. as you become the Lord that rules and overrules in our daily choices, in our relationships, in our decisions, Father, be king so that we can be about your mission. Yes. So that we can take your gift of faith for the purpose that you intended it. Yes. And it won't just be for our salvation, yes. but it will spread your knowledge, the knowledge of you, out the earth yes Lord. make us faithful people Lord, Lord doing what you've called us to do walking with you in it believing you in it loving you in it so that your love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit
0: yes Lord
1: unto power Lord
0: yes Lord Lord we pray for every person today who is locked up in fear
1: mm.
0: who has bolted the door shut to your intervention, I pray, Lord, that you would come and stand in their midst and that their fear would dissipate when you speak to them, peace be with you. Shalom, flourishing, connectedness with God, completeness, wholeness, as it should be. And I pray, Lord, for every one of us who are wavering in our purpose, our mission, attached to you, I ask, Lord, that we would see ourselves as being sent just as the Father sent you. Lord, that's what life is about. It's no longer about our own achievements, merits, or things or possessions. It's about you. And so we deny ourselves now, pick up our cross, and we follow you. We want to be sent ones, not those who simply show up occasionally. Struggling with the power that we need to live successfully. May the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us, yes. breathe upon us, Lord. Let us receive your Holy Spirit and let it change the way we see everything with your authority, with your purpose, with your mission all attached to it. We bless our church community and those that are watching here this morning. Yes. May they be salt in their communities and neighborhoods and workplaces, even if it's virtual. And may they be light, light, like a city set on a hill that is brightly shining the glory of God. Make us your people in these days, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.